Uh, hi, my name's Tom Duffield. I was the supervising art director on Batman Returns. Uh, I'm going to tell you some stuff you may know or may not know about some of the background stuff on uh, Batman Returns. And right now you're going to be listening to some superhero stuff you should know. Welcome everyone to Superhero Stuff You Should Know. This is once again Ben Juan, and with me is my co-host, as usual. Hey everybody, it's Andrew. No fun name today, just Andrew. <laughs> yep, and uh, we have a very special guest with us, someone who is part of our favorite Christmas movie over here, one of our favorites that we go over. One of the things that make Batman Returns really special is the way that Gotham City looked, the overall look and feel of this many have um, pointed out how tim burton has not really been topped when it comes to gotham city in either movie in 89 or in returns as we've covered and one of the men who helped bring that to life in batman returns is with us today and that is tom duffield welcome hi guys um well yeah this should be fun um it was a it was a really wild time on that movie um originally bo and i <laughs> i worked bo's art director on 15 films Mm -hmm. we, we kind of teamed up on the lost boys and we worked together for a long time and we had a great collaboration and uh, three of our films got nominated for oscars and uh, it was quite a quite a uh, a fun up up you know, me, it was a fun job to do and uh so let me tell you when we started it was originally we were going to do the first batman at warner brothers we just finished a film there uh, i think it was accidental tourist and um they asked us to do a budget so we did and we presented it and probably was more than they wanted we didn't really know we didn't have a script we just kind of guessed at what we were doing and and uh they decided to take the movie to, to london instead but then tim decided that he wanted to do the second one in the states so he brought it back and we were his guys so uh he asked us again to do it and we said sure and, and uh it was one of those big jobs for the day and we had so many stages and so much going on and hopefully i can clue you in on some of that stuff and I'm awesome. going to start with, um, do you have any questions or anything before we start? Or, or... Uh, No, I mean, I understand you're going to be showing us a binder full of your, uh, basically, your time on the movie. Right. Basically, every movie I worked as, as an art director or production designer, I always made a book. Let's see. There it is. There we go. I, make, I usually make one for myself and the director or one for myself and the production designer. And it has everything. It has the entire movie in this book. Basically, one of the the, uh, what's the the philosophies behind the show or the, the inspiration is we wanted to make this like a neo-fascist. We, we, we drew on a lot of fascist architecture. We figured mm -hmm. that uh, Gotham was kind of the ultimate fascist, you know, where, where the actual structures overpower humans. Everything's over super scale size. You know, it's like um, the, the German Nazi architect Speer, all his buildings were so big, like Germania had huge domes. And mm. we were kind of going along that line and the, everything was over scale and oversized. It was Gotham. Yeah, we can definitely see that with the big statues and the, exactly. like the muscles. Exactly. Yeah. And here, here's, a, here's one of Marty uh, Klein's sketches of the, of the how the uh, Wayne Manor in, with the uh, gobo in the sky, you know, the, the silhouette in the sky. That was awesome. And this, we worked a lot on this, how to make it look realistic to get the uh, Batman logo in the sky. And these are mm -hmm. all Marty Klein. We designed this reflectors. And now these, uh, real, real quick, Tom. So the, these yeah. reflectors, I know there's kind of been a conception or misconception from fans that these uh, these 
reflectors are uh some are saying like well why does he have the bat signal on top of the rooftop but according to the script and with this concept art they're not actually the bat signal they're mirrors of the bat signal right right so it can be projected on the mirror and then it projects in the sky now the trick is to really work you have to have clouds in the sky or at least at least <laughs> right. clouds. because if it's just black sky you're going to see nothing you have to have something to bounce the light off of and, and remove the light from where the bat is so that is a it is an artistic cheat, but that's that's the reality of it. It works. It looks cool in the movie. Yeah, and then th this is he doesn't really read very well. It was kind of a skyline. It, it's it's just tons and tons of tall oh, buildings. I see that. Yeah, it doesn't read. This one is the, um, uh, the, the uh, Cobblepot. Cobblepot. It's Cobblepot Mansion at the very beginning when when he's waiting by the fire and the wife has the baby and they mm -hmm. they, they bring him in, and then here's what you're talking about before. These are the yeah, gearbox. We call them the gear puller. See the big gear and all that? Mm -hmm. Everything's statuesque, huge, overscale. And uh, this was uh, one of our, I think, Tom Lay for the, the start of the inside of the Shrek store. Okay, I'll, oh, yeah, I'll I remember paste, this. These, paste these faster. These are Tom oh, Lay. Yeah, so, some of these we've seen, some of these we haven't. So this, for example, I've never seen before. Yeah, this is... Um, if you remember in the Shrek's office and around, they had these padded silk, gray silk uh, cushions on the wall, solid mm -hmm. wall with the little button tucks in the middle. Sort of has the feel of the interior of a coffin. Is uh, what a little I've bit. Always, I've always noticed, yeah. A little bit. <laughs> and then here's some, here's, this was to show the, vis we didn't have vis effects in those days like we do today. Anything done back in these days would have been a, like a foreground miniature or a glass shot or something to get, you know, to paste in a background. Let me get through these. These are okay. Here's the. Uh, uh, this is also the Cobblepot Mansion, and this mm -hmm. was done by Tom Lay, as, as I believe. Yeah, it looks. Tom like Lay it. did all the stuff for the stores, the, the store displays for um, the Shrek store. Mm -hmm. These oh, all wow. were in the windows of the Shrek store. I have to wait. A yeah, second. again, I haven't That's seen cool. these before. Yeah, and it was Christmas time, so everything had kind of a winter theme to it. Here's one of Bo's sketches for what he thought the top of one of the buildings should be. It was kind of a takeoff of the, the building at 23rd and Broadway, the Flatiron Building sort of look. Oh, yeah, I see that. And then you'll see pictures of this later. And when I go through some of my photographs, this is a Bo sketch. Everything mm -hmm. like we talked about was uh, Gotham was built on top of Gotham, which was built on top of Gotham. So they kept bigger and bigger. And it's almost slowly crushing all the lower buildings. And they had to put all the structural framing in to keep the big buildings above. Here's, here's a better, uh, this is a bow sketch to show that uh, everything was so heavy and weighted and, and uh, yeah, that's why everything was kind of crumbling at ground level. This is the original kind of concept before we did the gear pullers. You can see mm -hmm. the two guys there, but yeah. we didn't do that one. These are just oh, both yeah. rough sketches from Bo. And this is a, this is Catwoman uh. <laughs> in her apartment. Yeah, sort the hell here. It was a uh, sort of a, an idea of what we might do for that. I'm sorry, I have to keep switching this, but oh, no worries. Yeah, more just gives us more time to look. Right, this is one of the uh, first <laughs> sketches of the uh, uh, control center for the Batcave. We had all the gadget gizmos and electronics uh, instruments and and whatever back in the day was built. And the the uh, Batcave in our movie was basically we imagine it as like inside of an old coal mine with bright mm. shiny black bituminous coal. You know, it was all black graphite. And we had we put little blue 
uh, runway lights around it. So it looked like it was a landing strip almost, even though it was just a car. But it looked really cool, the blue against the black. And here's sort of an idea of how we were going. This is before big computers, too. I mean, this is like mm-hmm. in the 80s. So mm-hmm. we didn't even have a computer in the office until Birdcage, which was like 94, 95. So oh, wow. uh, this is this is early, early uh, pencil and ink, you know. Mm-hmm. And here's a model. This, we built a whole Ooh. model of the uh, of most of the big sets on the stages. This is a part of the model showing Shrek store from mm-hmm. stage 16. This is a model as well. This is all models. This is the model of the church. It was across the street. This is the model of the little building at the end that you'll see later when I talk about it, when I did that commercial that I mentioned uh, I'll ah, show you yeah. later in the show. But this is the model of it. And there's a side view of it in the, as a model. Let me get through these. This is the rooftop. We did rooftop models to, to figure out all the stuff with Batman and Catwoman chasing each other around on the rooftops. You can see Batman oh. there. Oh, the glider. Yeah. And here's another one. Oh, so, yeah, we, we had so many models. We were, Bo and I both are firm believers in models. All the movies that I designed mm-hmm. myself, always I had models. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last movie I did with a big set was for Patriots Day. Then we had a thousand foot long model, I mean, in scale, a thousand mm-hmm. foot long. This is a rooftop thing that uh, I'm not sure that ever made the movie. Uh, it's the kind of the greenhouse that she falls yeah, into. It, yeah, the girl falls into one, but I'm not, this isn't where it really would have been, but. And actually, this set, the rooftop set, actually was two stages. I think it was stage 12 and stage 18 at Warner Brothers. We took out the wall between the two stages, so we had a, like a double-sized stage. This is one of the first models for the Penguin Lair. You know, wow. and the concept for that was it was like an old... Um, oh, like amusement park? Well, amusement park, but I'm trying to think, like, what's the one in San Diego? Um, uh, sea... Sea World? Sea World, yeah. It's like an old Sea World that was abandoned. And it was taken over. And we actually brought in all these different kinds of uh, penguins. We had emperors. We had king penguins. We had mandrake penguins. We had Magellanic Magellanic penguins. And we had to keep them all separate and in the cold water. And and the the water tank kept leaking. And it smelled like fish. It was crazy. (laughs) But we had fun. It was really fun to go over there. But we were were constantly trying to keep the water in the tank. We had a huge Mm -hmm. tank, stage 12 at Universal. Biggest stage like in, in Hollywood. Uh, square footage and we filled it up wow. here's here's the drawing this is this is a drawing i might have done uh, yeah i might have done this one um of uh gotham square uh this is the plan wow and, uh, i think that's what this is yeah. and this is taking up the whole uh the whole stage yes the whole stage and like i explained before in my hand that the cars would come in we had we encircled outside the stage door they would come down here and they would go underneath the ground and above this road and then we have they would go out this way and go around again and they were all um audi no no they weren't audi they were uh, vw golfs i think or, mm-hmm. or i think they were vw golfs and we took the labeling off we tried to make them look generic without any brand names on it and we had to uh, convert all of them to uh, propane because they the fire department would not let us bring any gasoline powered cars on the Jeez. stage oh wow or the deal. And then, then these are little drawings that I turned out, the, a newsstand. These were the, the band shell uh, standards for the musicians. Uh, this is the, pardon me, this is the door handles. Uh, I designed these fancy door handles for the Shrek store, which I still have them. <laughs> yeah. These were the uh, 
headstones from the little cemetery thing I'll show you in a bit. Mm -hmm. uh, this is just some stupid little details. This is an anti-loitering uh, uh, handrail that we put those everywhere so give it a sense of danger oh i'll have to take uh, a look is, again to see that in the, the stores the set dressing gondola this is the truck with it the cat woman falls into at the end oh yeah, yeah. save yeah. my kitty litter right exactly and so we, knew, we had to have a big truck and we had to get it on stage and all that uh this is one of the big transformers for the end of the sh end of the movie where the, the electrical uh works go up after they, they yeah. shoot it up this is just a just a typical uh, pay-to-play coin box for the uh, penguin RV uh, ride. Oh yeah, I remember yeah. that when he's controlling the Batmobile. Clock pedestal. This was somewhere, but I don't remember where. Yeah, this is just some pretty. <laughs> was that a grandfather we, clock? Uh, <laughs> is is what you're saying? So. It was just it was just the cat. It was the Shrek head on a on a base. Oh, I see. Okay. And then uh, some more details, kind of boring. This is the one of the first passes at some of the, uh, uh, what'd you call it, like a zoo or whatever. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, the, what, the abandoned zoo or the abandoned carnival or whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. uh, this is yeah, Jacques Rage. Yeah, did these. Oh, wow. A lot of these didn't, didn't make the movie, but some of them did. But we wanted to see, you know, we, we money was a little tight, so we didn't do all, all of this stuff. And this is some of our concept stuff mm. for the Catwoman. I mean, this is sort of the image we wanted her to have, you know, in silhouette in black with the with the uh, Gotham behind it. And you can see, I guess it's the Penguin way back here. Oh, on the uh, umbrella oh, helicopter. Umbrella, exactly. Nice. This looks beautiful. That looks just right out of the comic. Well, yeah, that's exactly what we wanted. We we wanted, you know, like the like Dick Tracy. They tried to make that a comic book movie, but it looks stupid because they tried to get all those bright colors. We wanted it <laughs> in, in a, a dark. Uh, you know, Batman-esque look all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, here's some stuff there. This is a, a concept of Batman and Catwoman playing, playing around. Yeah, not quite the way it looked in the movie. This one doesn't care that she's a woman. Right. And then here, here's the Batmobile, mm -hmm. and uh, we, we we adapted it a little bit differently than the front, the first movie. It's very subtle the changes that we made, but uh, this was uh, Jacques rated this to show how we would convert it. And how the how it's supposed to be run like a jet engine and whatever. I and mean, we had wings that would come out if we needed it to fly. And you can see right there. Oh. And then when it changes, the, the cops are chasing it, and he has to get through that narrow passageway. It turns into mm -hmm. what we call the the bat missile. And mm -hmm. you can kind of see how the pieces came off to make it so it would get through that that thin opening. Awesome. There's a better shot of it. See. Oh, they yeah. all come off, and then it would just the time the wheels would go in, and it would just go right through that little narrow alley. Yeah, this is great because we see it in such a quick shot, but this is kind of the breakdown of right. it right here. Yeah, here too. Kind of show how the wheels they go back in line. They kind of swing around, you know. To they had to be as mm -hmm. narrow as possible. And here's the inside of the Batmobile. This is the, wow. the gauges and the uh, steering wheel automatic. Hmm. <laughs> that was a <laughs> uh, here's another shot of it and then we had the duck this was the uh, uh, uh what's called the penguins vehicle mm -hmm. and it was based on the price fister kids toy the uh, bathtub toy mm -hmm. uh, rick heinrichs was uh another art director on he was the other art director on the movie and he was in charge of the miniatures for that um 
abandoned zoo mm-hmm. and he was also in charge of all of the ancillary stuff and the props like this 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 duck yeah. and here's a shot of the duck and how it was going to come into the shrek party the christmas party it comes up through the floor yeah sort of a scissor lift type of right. uh, look exactly and this was something bo just wanted a um, uh, a street cleaner snowblower kind of thing i'm not sure we ever did this not, yeah i don't remember this one and then we wanted to have it was called the the uh, bat ski boat and it was to go into the the sewer lines and the tunnels mm-hmm. underground so that was sort of the concept how it started this is the inside of it oh that's awesome because yeah, i mainly remember one. just the shot on keaton but i don't remember like yeah. the seat and that type of stuff yeah well that's how always happens in movies they show the actors faces <laughs> a lot more than they show our sets you know <laughs> Well, on the show, we want to see the sets. We've seen the yeah, actors. Plenty. We always said we always used to say, "Well, that's a difference between TV and features. Features shows the sets, but TV just is close up." <laughs> but here's a, another. Uh, this is Flattery did this one of mm, this boat, nice. and here it is, sort of how we imagined it going through the tunnels and under, and partially in the water, partially on the, um, you know, on the actual piping underground, like the shot. Yeah, it's like a shark. It's like a manta ray. Yeah, feels yeah exactly. Right. We we wanted to look dangerous and fast, mm. but everything was black. Mm. And then we did one. I guess it was a scene in the movie where we needed a uh, ATM, and that was our take on an ATM back in the day. Yeah. So I I read up on this. This is a, a deleted scene where the organ grinder just steals right. from an ATM by basically blowing it up. And so it's kind of right. cool to see what that would have looked like. Right. And here was the the penguin's playpen when he was a child. You remember they they didn't yeah. want him out. And you can see the little duck there. Yeah. And then, yeah. So he always had that on his mind. And this is the uh, the carriage where his father, which was um, what's the name of the actor? Um, uh, Paul Rubens. Paul Rubens, right? He pushed him down to the little creek and he shoved him off the bridge into the creek. And I can have a little backstory behind the creek. We did it on stage, and the water looked like pool water. It's kind of that green aqua color. It didn't mm. look like a believable canal in in Gotham. So I went to the paint shop and I asked for some water-based paint tints so I could tint it like a darker gray, black, um, uh, green, you know, kind of typical creek water. Well, they gave gave me the wrong dye. They gave me oil-based dye. Oh my God. So it coated the edges of the creek and it wouldn't come off. It was reds and purples. And I had to go in with some of the painters and scrub it off the edges of the, the, uh, it was a nightmare. Cause you know, you do it and you think you've done right. And then all of a sudden, the heck that stuff is, is you know it doesn't come off it doesn't just wash off because it, everything was white foam along because of snow outside so we did white painted foam and the the uh the dye and the tints wouldn't come off and it was awful Jeez. i mean i really myself busted my butt and my my friends the painters we all were down there on our knees scrubbing it off the uh, foam I mean, I will say the water in the movie does look like, you know, basically it has the right feel to it. The, the right. Feeling yeah. Well, eventually that's what we got. But if you would have seen it first, it looked like a jacuzzi. I was thinking, into a jacuzzi. And here's some of the gadgets and gizmos uh, that they yeah. had. This was like um, a pair of like brass knuckles, sort of, but it has at the ends, it has two little darts that shoot out on wires. And see, he holds it up oh, in the wow. air and they shoot out and they grab stuff and he can pull himself out of a situation or mm-hmm. whatever. And here's another thing along the similar lines from his tool belt. He could shoot, he could grab onto stuff and it basically kind of uh, have a safety line or, again, pull himself out of trouble. This is the Batarang, we called it. It was sort of a, sort of a, like a computer controlled uh, boomerang. 
I thought that was pretty funny. And here's another version of something like that. I'm not really sure what this did. It's been so long time. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I think we talked to Flattery about it being a uh, basically brass knuckle battering. Yeah. Something. Yeah. It's so long ago. Here's another version of the same thing. The battering with it could be used as brass knuckles, but you see the finger holes. Mm -hmm. Okay. And here's the bat sled. Ah, yes. Okay, now I'm, I'm assuming, I'm not really sure, I'm pretty sure it didn't make the movie, but, uh, you know, we designed one, and uh, it was for, the, I'm not sure what scene it was for, I don't remember, but so I remember we designed it. We, we've, yeah, we've, we've looked into it, so there was going to be that Batman store uh, that has oh, okay. all the Batman merchandise, and I think it actually, the sled is in the movie where the strongman attacks people, but it doesn't have the Batman logo on it, so it's just okay. a regular sled. Yeah, I remember we developed it. I just don't remember so long ago what we actually did. We had we had a lot of stuff going on then. <laughs> no okay, here's now, we understand. We get into the penguins now and the attack penguins. Awesome. <laughs> and uh, we had, the Emperor penguins were the biggest ones. And they had the biggest rockets on their back. But I had, I actually had one for a while. I had, a, uh, I think it was a Magellanic penguin that I had that uh, had a rocket on its back. And we had, we, had, we had so many of them. It was cool to walk on the stage. And it looked like a whole army of these little you know, creatures with rockets <laughs> on their back. And, and it was kind of cool to watch. Amazing. And we, and we had you know, little people inside some of the uh, uh, emperor penguin suits so they could walk around and, you know, Take direction, and he had little communicators on him. Oh yeah, and here's more development of the oh the reflector, the reflector. A lot of work went into designing this reflector. You know, you don't really see it much in the movie, but we we went around and around on this, and you can see how many sketches and things were done to to try to you know really flush this out. Yeah, for sure. And then we have graphics. Now, back in these days, now today, graphics I could do in two seconds with Adobe Illustrator. Back <laughs> in, the, in, in, these, in this day, I had to like do everything. I don't know if you've ever done any of this, but you had to cut out letters and paste it on black and do photo shots of it and, oh and do high contrast prints and send those through the printer. So much easier now just to lay it out <laughs> seconds and send it out as a PDF. But we had to do all the different type styles we wanted, and, and you know, switch to see which one Tim liked the best. And then I really got involved in these the poster for Cobblepot when he ran for mayor. Mm-hmm. And I'll so, show you a bigger version of it in a minute. These are designed but, by you. Yeah, yeah, my well, myself and and uh, Tim and I don't know, it was a Jack Ray, Jack Ray. He, he I would I'd sketch something and Jack Ray would paint it, and you'll see you'll see a partially done one when I show you the big one on the floor, mm-hmm. and. Uh, uh, we had a little trouble getting it printed properly, but we did. And I, we have a bunch of them, and we pa- we pasted them everywhere. It was really great to have because you could, if you had anything on the set that needed a little detail, we could slap mm-hmm. one of these things in there. And then we awesome. did buttons. You know, we had for the shirts, uh, you mm-hmm. know, all over. And we had, uh, you, I see one on your wall back there, a cobblepot for mayor. Uh, yep. Sticker. I have one of those somewhere in one of my files, and this is the typical alphabet we were using. And then Tim really liked to play volleyball. <laughs> we actually set up a court um, at, at Producers 4 at, at uh, Warner Brothers. And our team, we made wow. T-shirts called uh, Gotham Volleyball. We used the, the concept of the gear pullers for the, the, uh, for the um, image in the center. And, and Bo came up with this, the cat thing. It reminds me of Felix the Cat. It does, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was a, a Bo thing. And here's the, here's the cat clock. It was outside and 
you can see the time. This is something, this is the original logo that was on the sign for the bat store and some other stuff. Yeah. Ah. And then this one here was the little tiny logo that we used to make the gobo. A gobo is a metal um, filter or a metal implement that you put in front of the light that actually shines that shadow that you want. Oh, the bat signal. Yeah, I have a better version of it on the floor or somewhere. Hopefully I'll show it to you in a minute. No worries. And then here's more of the Batman return stuff. I think this stuff was for uh, advertising and for, uh, you know, it wasn't for the movie. It was for other stuff, but for the studio. And then we thought it'd be fun to have some stuff around where they compared the Batmobile to like a Ferrari F40 or a Kuntak or something like that. And we were trying to get some other props into the movie. There's the crew badge that we were coming up with. And this is actually, I think, the logo off the jacket that they oh. gave us. Now, here's the T-shirt. Bo designed the T-shirt. And I have nice. it. Let me see if I can turn it around. Can you see it? Yeah. There, there. Oh, wow. And that's an illustration from Bo? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure. No, that's Jacques Ray. I'm sorry. Oh. I'm sorry, Jacques Ray. But Bo had a lot to do with it. I didn't have much to do with the T-shirt. And then I also have the jacket. I don't know if you can see it over here. Yeah, we can see so, it. There's kind of a, I can kind of see, it almost looks yeah. like the, the bat wings with the gray. Well, exactly, exactly. That was it. And then the hat has the red bat symbol on it. It's a leather hat. Uh, and that was kind of the swag we got at the end of the show. Awesome. I've never, That's I've awesome. never seen this before. I've seen the crew jackets for 89, but I haven't seen it for returns. And then uh, going back to this, this is the back of the shirt. It's a big wing. Awesome. Nice. Then, we had, then we had a, I had to do a police car. We wanted everything to be generic. We didn't want any kind of flashy graphics on the police cars or the city vehicles and stuff. So mm -hmm. it just says police. I don't know if you ever saw Edward Scissorhands, but we did everything yeah. in Edward Scissorhands that was totally generic. You know, courtroom said court. Police station said police. No, no, no <laughs> other so, we, you know, we didn't want hubcaps. I mean, we didn't want wheel cars. We wanted hubcaps, black wall tires, nothing fancy. Well, no one's watching Batman Returns for the police characters, so... And then at the end of this book, I put all like reviews mm. of the movie and, you know, wow. uh, and how, it, you know, how it was, it was taken in uh, the roar of the cat, the whimper of the bat. I guess they, this guy liked the cat woman better than Batman. And <laughs> uh, let's see, then this is the, this was from the program, I think, with the cast and crew or whatever. And then, uh, this is what I was saying before we had there was a little bit of a lawsuit at the end, but we worked that out. Sure. And yeah, let's see, couple of for mayor, couple of for mayor. These are all just versions of the same thing. And what is oh, these are just for the for the graphics and stuff, the invoices. And this is just a bio for me and whatever. So that was the nice. that's the book I make. Awesome. But now, I'll show you a little more detail and hopefully this will work out. Yeah. Can you read right. these? Yep. Let me change the mode here. Ah, okay. So we got uh, Gotham Plaza. This is Gotham Plaza. And this is at the, the crew setting in. You can see the people waiting around to get going. Hmm. This is actually facing East. If you went out that big door, uh, you'd be out in uh, the main street of the Warner brothers. And that was the trouble we had. I think, I don't know if you know the story, but we spent over a million dollars on refrigeration for a couple of these stages. Uh, we had hundreds of tons of uh, refrigeration and it took us three days to mm -hmm. cool the stage 16, which is the tallest stage in uh, 
Hollywood. It was built by um, uh, Hughes. Uh, what's his name? Um, who's the famous billionaire? Howard, Howard, Howard Hughes. Hughes. Yeah, he, he actually wanted a really tall stage, one of his movies, so he built he, he picked the stage up 16 feet in the air and then built walls all the way around it. So the stage is really tall. So that's why and we had to put meat foggers up there in the in the grid to, to humid, uh, make the air humid on the stage. And uh, so we got it cold enough and it was humid enough, you could see your breath. Peter, um, mm -hmm. Tim really wanted to see everyone's breath. Well, it worked for about an hour until one of the <laughs> decided to go out to get a filter or something out of the camera truck and he used the big door. And he opened the big door, all the heat came in, it was 95 degrees outside. We never really had it again, the whole movie. Jeez. Just, just because of that. All right. Okay, this is a picture of a, the model of the uh, top of the penguin uh, lair from the abandoned uh, zoo. Yeah, with a polar bear, yeah. Right. Here's again is a color picture of that little store. This is going to be the Batman store. And then this, this is just construction shots. You can just see we're building the church. You can see a big uh, crane arm there. I'll just, I'll kind of go through these quickly. No worries. It is really cool to see a lot of these behind the scenes shots we've never seen yeah, before. I'm trying, get, I'm trying to get it so I don't get a reflection on them. Looks pretty good from my end. Yeah, good. I don't see the much and reflection. You see the bridge, and you can see there where the cars, they would go, whoops, they would go through underneath here and they would come out around the other side. And it was really hard. I used to go there like two or three in the morning. We had our uh, construction people come in to do the concrete walkways and streets. And they mm -hmm. all they want to make them perfect. And I had to yell at them to make them cracked and, and sunken <laughs> in places and tilting and to make it look like, you know, they've been there a hundred years. It's gone. And, you know, yeah. And, and it was it was kind of difficult to get them to make them bad. There's the, there's the big door going out to this main oh, street. Geez. And this is the Shrek... Um, Part of the Shrek office. And there's the Shrek. The chairs are really great. We had that. We had a big scenic backing that went around outside the translate backing outside the, the mm -hmm. windows there. With another shot of the same thing. Other, uh, they don't have the backing in. But you can see it was really cool. We built the table. We built everything. Cheryl mm -hmm. Krasik, our great decorator, got the chairs and we put these kind of bat kind of covers over the top of them to give it a little bit of a hint of a bat head mm. oh i can see that yeah and then here's uh, uh also in the same area this is where selena was her name i think it was yeah um, she went and got coffee or something from there and here's what i was talking about before in some of those pictures or pardon me in some of those drawings where we did all the really heavy duty uh, structural work to make it look like we were supporting a huge city above you can see we tons yeah. of rivets and ton, you know just everything. And this is all over scale. I don't have a human in there, but you can see like handrails and stuff. That let's see if I can. I'll have some better ones coming up. But everything was huge. No, this is what and we love we about the, the Burton Gotham. And we had these a couple of little shops. I didn't put all the stores in, but this is kind of the shops we had. Mm -hmm. And you see the snow here. We, we refrigerated the stages and basically we used shaved ice for most of it. It's like a snow cone kind of thing. And then for the stuff that was farther away, we'd use foam or this, uh, we put white muslin down. But you can see that the scope, this is all, this is, uh, uh, this is the back lot of, of, of Warner Brothers. Mm -hmm. Sorry. No worries. And here's another store. Another store, tire store, not a big deal. 
And there was this, this had something to do with the movie, but I don't remember what it was. Does it say Sewerman? Yeah. So I don't remember that at all. It was one of the stores. It was when remember when they were kidnapping the children. They had that little train with the yellow. Oh, okay. It was was probably in the background. Yeah. And even even the laundromat is like you know, you can see it looks like this. There's ten floors above it. And there was something called Wig World, and I don't even remember this one, but we did it. It was called Wig World. I don't remember. I'll have to look in the background. <laughs> yeah, you have to close. Now, this is one thing I did want to point out. This is this really shows how the the structural strength of or the weight of the upper buildings. You'll see you'll see the columns at the bottom. They're they're like totally, you know, crumbling and falling apart of the weight, and the whole building's sagging because everything's so huge above it. There's a better shot of the whole thing. Yeah. So like the whole building is tilting. And you can see, if you look right close here where my finger is, we had big chains that um, were holding the columns together. Like you said, the city built on top of the city. Yeah, yeah, built on top. And here's another shot. You can see the chains on that one. Yeah. Yeah. And everything was like, nothing was new. Everything was like rusty and washed out and oxidized and... And even I can see the the size and the scale of the the bolts and the rivets here. They're they're like a foot across. And there's just some paste up stuff for the back lot. Uh, just some of the stuff we just you know to give to give it some uh, depth. And here's one of the, this is a taxi cab, but that's the kind of cars that were all through Gotham. That's the Volkswagen Golf or Polo or whatever it was called. Uh, that that was a taxi. With a propane. Yeah, with a propane. Here's another view of the, a similar area. We spent a lot of money in that one building. We knew it was going to get featured. You can see more of the snow there and the great depth that we have in the back lot. And again, everything, even the overpass, just feels heavy. And I love the way we were able to put the tire tracks and stuff into the into the snow. And the, it looks like you know a, a, an early snowfall that you've been driven on. How was that created? Was that just driving? after driving the cars over it or yeah, just, like... just driving the cars over it mm-hmm. just uh, yeah just driving them over it and making sure that we had enough uh shaved ice and whatever on there awesome. and that might have been foam I, I i'd have to look closer this is myself in front of the um wayne manor fireplace we wanted the biggest fireplace ever so we made it pretty big mm-hmm. how old were you when you worked on this uh Let's see. Uh, when, do you can you tell me what I forget what the date when it came out was it ninety two, nine oh really that late ninety two so I would have been forty one, no thirty one. Okay. Let's see. No forty <laughs> forty years forty years old exactly. 40. Okay. And there's myself and the Batmobile, and awesome. uh, gotta have a shot. Yeah, gotta have a shot of that. Mm-hmm. And I actually got was able to take one of my nephews and let him sit in it. He really had a kick out of oh, that. And here again, I'm sure. these are more pictures of the uh, dashboard. Of the, by today's standard, it looks it looks like something from the 30s or 40s. You know, no video screens, no you know computers, <laughs> no. Yeah, it just basically, it's almost like old aircraft looking. That's sort of what we went for. Yeah, kind I mean, of that's kind of what's cool yeah. about it. It's timelessness yeah. that people associate yeah, with these exactly. movies. Now, here's a picture of Danny and makeup when you're doing makeup testing on him and stuff. Uh, with his cigarette holder and his hat and his monitor. Yeah, he didn't have the I've never seen this. It's great. And here's one where he's, pardon me, he's in his chair. And again, they're just 
trying the nose and they're just trying the different stuff on him to see what looks best and do camera tests. We did a lot of makeup camera tests. And then, like I said before, that store at the end uh, that I showed you before, the Batman store, that I was when the movie was over, uh, Warner's wanted to, or actually sold the rights to make some commercials on Gotham Square and about Batman Returns. So McDonald's wanted to do a, a, a Batman Returns campaign. So Simon West was the director, and they hired me to make a Gotham a McDonald's. And I thought about it for a minute and I picked the only building really that could really work was the, the, the old Batman store. So I took it and I made it into uh, McDonald's. McDonald's. And you can see the little bat logo being lit up on the wall back there. Oh, that's but, awesome. And I basically did the inside. And it's funny, the, the ad agency hated it. They thought the inside looked too old and whatever. And that they said that the client would hate it. And the director loved it. I actually wasn't. It wasn't. Okay. Uh, yeah. And then uh, uh, here I am in front of it. And, you know, I'm thinking of it now. Maybe it was, was it Simon West or was it another guy? I forget the actual director of it. But anyways, uh, and then the inside was the timeless. I remember this as a kid. Uh, McDonald's. That's what it used to look like in McDonald's back in the day. Red and white stripes and uh, Harlequin tile floors. Mm -hmm. McDonald's loved it. That's what it really looked like. When I was a kid and I went into McDonald's, it looked just like that. Okay. And that's why I kind of, you know, anybody could do a new modern, new modern McDonald's are all wood grain uh, laminate and stuff. It looks stupid, but I wanted it's to make it look comparison. <laughs> to me, that looks classic. Yeah. No, it's carrying over the timelessness of, of your Gotham right. into the McDonald's. And that's why right. it works so well. That's why we love right. those commercials. And there's a, that you can see the scale in there. And then I was also approached by um, uh, Choice Hotels. Choice Hotels, right? And Comfort Inn, and they did, we did. I did a couple commercials for this one. Is the one where this suitcase, this bad case, flies up to a window and uses a laser to cut a silhouette and flies through and awards. And there it is, landing on the bed, and it awards the people. Mm -hmm. It opens up really kind of fun. And has all this, and that was a hard. I had to design all that stuff and make it look like it, it had rocket engines mm -hmm. and could fly through the air and then the bottom mm -hmm. was where the money was and these people want all this money and it was something it was an ad campaign for choice hotels yeah so there was that one and then there was there was a penguin one yeah that i'm coming well. up with that. that'll be next and here it is they wanted it to look like the penguins has stayed at the choice hotels <laughs> and so i said well i'll design a, a penguin suitcase so he had all these like fish related stickers on the side, like he traveled to these oh, different yeah. places. You can see like a, a sailfish down oh, here at the right. bottom. And so we, we that was sort of the, the concept. And here's another angle on it. Same thing. And then it opened up and it had like sardine cans and fish. And it was, the, I don't know if you remember these commercials, but they had used to have famous people come up through the, uh, through the suitcase. Uh, they had football players or basketball players would come up through the suitcase and, talk about uh choice hotels and then when we uh, uh we'll share this out to uh our our listeners and our viewers but uh, these are on youtube i found them before uh, we jumped on so I'll, I'll add some links so that people can watch them that's interesting if they have these pictures it's amazing because they're my pictures and i don't know how they would have gotten on youtube but whatever they're well not, not, the, not the pictures but the commercials the, oh, the oh, commercials yeah, sure. themselves oh for sure for sure <laughs> and then this is where we had that we had uh, CO2 coming up and, and the, the penguins started marching out of here onto the bed and then the penguin comes out. <laughs> they get to stay for free at Choice Hotels. Penguins. 
because I don't think he ever actually came out. They just they did a quick silhouette of him against the wall. Yeah. And and that was it. That was the choice hotels. Awesome. Okay. So That's now nice. our last batch of pictures, and these are so there'll be some duplicates, but these are big frame and. Uh, uh, let's see. Oh. Let's see. Hold on. Actually, real quick, Tom, we're going to take yes. one quick break and then we'll come okay. back to go over those pictures. Okay. Uh, so we'll return after the break here. Okay, everybody, we have a new thing that we do here on Superhero Stuff You Should Know. We are going to start every month having a new GoFundMe and or charity that we're going to give a shout out for. And this month well tell them about it ben oh this month we are debuting this in our episode about superman 2 and this is completely related because valerie perrine from superman 1 and 2 miss eve testmacher uh has her own gofundme unfortunately for the last few years uh miss perrine has had to retire from acting because she is fighting parkinson's disease if you've been following her on twitter she has been auctioning off different memorabilia from her time in the movies in order to raise funds but she is unfortunately bedbound. She has round-the-clock caregivers, and she has a GoFundMe set up through her friend in order to help her out through that. And I think it is for on a lot of us as Superman fans who grew up with these movies, grew up with her as Miss Tessmacher. I think as a thank you, it would be more than appropriate for us to help her out. Yeah, so please, if you can go to her GoFundMe page, it's been uh, linked in the description here as well for everybody. Uh, if you can donate to her, that would be great. Again, she's part of the Superman legacy, and uh, let's try to help her out if you can. And also, on top of that, we want to also give a shout out to the uh, page where you can donate to the American Parkinson's Disease Association itself. So that will go to support and education and research. So if you want to support them as well, or just them, also fine if you want. So check that out. That will also be linked. We thought that we should not just be into heroes, but also try to take an influence from all these heroes we read about all the time and at least do our part in any way that we can in so far as, you know, helping these kinds of people. So, so yeah, if you can, that'd be great. And thank you very much. Just wanted to announce that I have a new podcast called Gaming Gaiden. It's about Japanese to English translation. In this first season, it will be 10 episodes each season. If you saw the ranking, every Superman video game two-parter we did here on Superhero Stuff You Should Know, you have seen Mike before. So yes, if you like video games, if you've been interested in Japanese ever, we're going to be talking a lot about just Japan in general. Japanese cultural differences as well and we also are going to have a lot of talk about 90s video game magazines such as Electronic Gaming Monthly aka EGM so stay tuned for Gaming Gaiden Podcast it's already out now y'all I want to tell you about the Patreon.com Patreon.com slash Superhero Stuff Pod and on that you get the $1 tier uh, you can join the $1 tier, which gets you the shout-out on the board, and either visually or orally, or both at times. Uh, <laughs> we want to do the oral uh, for the most part uh, for newer people. Uh, and then the $5 tier gets you a whole new show. Uh, this show is every Monday, as you well know, and it's free on YouTube and the What's Nots. And... Um, <laughs> The uh, Patreon show is every Friday at the $5 tier mark. You can 
if you want, binge us for five mm-hmm. bucks. And uh, there's like 150 episodes, uh, almost 150 at this point. And you can, uh, you know, listen to all that content there. Even the stuff that's been released from the vault, none of that has been the full episode as well. So <laughs> trying to keep our uh, $5 tier people happy. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so, but yeah, check that out. And then our $10 tier gets you all of the above, plus a... Uh, it gets you a monthly meetup show where you meet up with us monthly and it's like a zoom like call and we have a topic at hand or sometimes videos we react to and things like that and that's at the $10 tier Um, every tier that you get like the $5 tier gets you the $1 tier benefits and the $10 tier gets you the $5 tier benefits and the $1 tier benefits so check that out at patreon.com slash superhero stuff pod we also got the merch which is redbubble superhousepod.redbubble.com and on threadless superhero stuff pod.threadless.com get your bin man and indeed wizard mug shirt shower curtains and all the rest artwork by Stephen santa cruz and please send us some audio at superhousepodcast at gmail.com a bumper would be great mm-hmm. you too can be part of the show I'm Thunderwolf Drew on Instagram and Twitter. Thunderwolf lives as my other YouTube channel, one of my many YouTube channels. And I have uh, also ThunderwolfDrew.com has my whole portfolio in one place except for AmanoRecon.com. That's A-M-A-N-O-R-E-C-O-N.com. And that is uh, an original idea that some friends and I are doing where it is R-rated Um, Power Rangers meets Stranger Things. That's the quick pitch, and it is not a fan film, original idea. We have a pitch video right now on YouTube and on the Indiegogo page. We're campaigning right now as of this, uh, when this episode premieres. And this poster art is by ZacharyJacksonBrownArt.com. And check it out. Please support us on the campaign. And more from that soon. Um, but yes, it's uh, it's bloody, and um, if you like that kind of thing, check us out. And that's it, Ben. Follow us on social media on Twitter at Superhouse Pod, Instagram Superhero Stuff Pod, where we have some different supplemental stuff. We even, I've even analyzed the martial arts stance that the Keaton ornament from the Flash is in, so you can check that out on our Instagram Superhero <laughs> Stuff Pod, uh, TikTok Superhero Stuff Pod, Vero Superhero Stuff Pod. My website is benwanrider.com, where you can read a whole bunch of spec scripts, including Gotham, Vampire, Elementary, The Death of Sherlock Holmes, and Curb Your Enthusiasm, Disneyland. If you're fans of any of those shows, check them out and let us know what you think. My YouTube channel is in the description below, including Doctor Who, The Ronin of Time, an audio drama I write, edit, and narrate with the 8th Doctor, meaning Miyamoto Musashi. My personal Instagram is BenWanRider. If you like cats, my son, Alfie, my cat, is at Alfie Pennyworth Cat. And if you have an Alfie yourself, then you can get the Whisker Box, the only cat box with a crazy cat lady and gent. And you can even check out another page on that website, SuperheroStuffPod.com slash show notes. That includes uh, various show notes for each of our episodes links to the scripts that we review if they're available online amazon links to the stuff we've been talking about including you know brian levant's book that he plugged for us my life and toys so check that out at superhero stuffpod.com slash show notes lord have mercy y'all do you like hounds do you enjoy pooches 
Do you find yourself enjoying time spent with that of canines? Talking about dogs, y'all. As you might have heard, Superhero Stuff You Should Know has now teamed up with BarkBox. For every month, you get a box for your special canine. Pooches. Or hounds. That's right. One free extra month if you go to BarkBox.com slash Superhero Stuff Pod. Follow the link and you'll get a free extra month valued at $35 and valid for all multi-length plans. So get the BarkBox for your hound, for your pooch, for your canine. Your doggo will thank you. Just a bunch of goddamn ne'er-to-wells and scallywags. All right, everyone, we are back with Tom Duffield, and we're going to cover more of the Gotham City that he helped bring to life in Batman Returns. But first, he's going to show us the badge of the code name that was an exclusive to me. I'd never heard this before, that the code name for Batman Returns was uh, Dictel, as in Intel. Right. Uh, can we see sure. the uh, badge? Let's see. Here's, the, here's my, I look a little younger here. I guess I get some better light on it. <laughs> there we go. I poor sunglasses back in those days. This is awesome, though. Everybody had one of these, and I, th I think Bo or Tim came up with the Dicktail name. I think it was Bo. They wanted to take play off the Intel or something, you know, and so that's what happened. Gotcha. And awesome. actually, just to show you, I got a pile on the floor over there. Yeah, I saw. I you showed me this earlier. I'm like, all right, let's let's no, 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 see no, as no, much no, as possible. Those are just badges. <laughs> oh, the badges. Those are all badges oh, yeah, from like yeah, this yeah. movie. So you know, they started giving everybody badges for security, and mm -hmm. I just kept them all. You know, I got tons of them. Awesome. So uh, you wanted to show yeah. some of the bigger pictures. Yeah. So now we're gonna go to bigger pictures, and let's see how these look. I'm trying to get without a reflection here. I'm gonna do it without. These are so shiny. Unfortunately, glossy pictures. I'm trying to figure out a way to do it, but not having too much of a reflection. I guess that's is, the best we're gonna is, get. This is this is probably the best we can do. Yeah. Okay, and that's um, Wayne Manor, the living room of Wayne Manor. Ah, oh, the aquarium. Yeah. yeah. This was in. This is the library where, where the bat signal would be flashed on his wall, and he would walk over to the uh, Iron Maiden, or, and he'd open it up, and that's how he got down into the. Uh, Bat Cave. Now we're starting on the big big pictures. You'll see some of these are duplicates, but it just kind of shows a little bit more of what we were doing. Mm -hmm. And that's uh, Wayne Manor, uh, the living room area. It's, it's a, some of these pictures are dark, so just bear with me on them, and uh, we'll get to some brighter ones. This is uh, in the study, and you can see uh, uh, Bruce Wayne, and he's getting this, the bat signal over his head, and he's deciding he's got to go. Mm -hmm. And this is down in the bat cave. He's next to his uh, Batmobile. This was, he had a whole uh, walk-in closet, but it was more of a uh, uh, walk-in kind of castle, you know, with a moat and he pulled this up. <laughs> I love that aspect of it, yeah. And then we had his control desk, you know, he controlled everything and there oh, yeah. he is. He's looking at a screen, and we didn't again. We didn't have computers or any gadgets or gizmos. Everything was mm. was basically pipes and 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 oh. uh, gauges. So, you can see that. You see that kind of like coal there in the back. This yeah, is like so, I've never like seen this coal. before. Yeah, so yeah, this is another shot from almost behind the monitors in the Batcave. Yeah, it, this is a shot from the other side of the control uh, desk. It's from where it's you know this way. Look, he would be sitting back there. We'll see the coal mine aspect of this yeah, from this shot. Right. 
Right, exactly. And then this is Alfred being directed by Tim. Oh, yeah. And the, what we call sometimes nice. the DJ scene where they, right. they mix the cobblepot dialogue. Right. And uh, yeah, you can see we did have some lighted gauges and stuff, but not many. And this is Albert, also still in the Batcave. Looks like he's about to deliver the letter, the invitation right. to the masquerade ball. And then uh, one thing I, I mentioned to you before, I don't think we mentioned on air tonight, is that we had this famous, it was called the Hall of Records, which mm -hmm. where Danny uh, DeVito goes and he tries to track down his, his heritage, his, his, you know, his family tree. Mm -hmm. And this is actually a, a, a building on the back lot. We did it, what's called a forced perspective, which is basically we built one set of um, bookcases. And then from there back, it's a painting. It's flat painting, but it, we made it look like a perspective to make it look like it was really long corridors of, of oh, bookcases. Wow. That's a forced perspective. It's only that whole set is only about 10 feet deep. <laughs> I had so no we idea were, on that one. It's an old, it's an old trick that they used to use in the old days. Nobody uses it anymore because now you just put a green screen in there and put in whatever you right. want. And we call it the Hall of Records so we, to make some tongue-in-cheek fun with it on the outside. And I'll have a picture of it I think coming up in a minute. Yeah. Is uh, we had Elvis Presley's head on each side of the building, so it was the Hall of Records, like a music record, but it was just a joke. I love this aspect of it. Everything was statuesque and carved, you know, the statues and stuff. Mm -hmm. We thought it would be kind of funny to put a an Elvis-looking kind of uh, statue on each side of the building. That's why we call it the Hall of Records. It's also very subtle because I didn't realize that until you brought it up. Yeah, most people didn't because it, it was so high up in the wall, we barely saw it. And, and this is another thing I wanted to show you, too, is the scale. Remember I told you how big everything was? Mm -hmm. Look at that. The column is the size of like a half a city block, just the width of it. It's oh. huge. Jeez. We wanted to give the illusion. There was huge, huge things way up above us. I still love the aspect I, of the city built on the city that exactly, you can see there. Exactly. And here's more of that. This is Selena's apartment, Catwoman's apartment. Mm -hmm. And you can see the big steel beams mm -hmm. running through her kitchen and stuff to support the buildings above it. See over here on this mm -hmm. side, right there, the big steel beams. And there's steel beams on everywhere, rivets. Oh, wow. Yeah. We, we kind of painted, you know, Oh, let's make a girly. We'll paint it pink. But we get, wanted to give her something that she would, would, would repel her to. She, she hated mm -hmm. her life. So anybody living in that place would hate her life. <laughs> and then this is how the uh, the church came out. Oh, wow. And uh, again, everything huge, huge statuesque, um, you know, carved figures and whatever. Like I said, the, the fascist, you know, quality mm -hmm. of it. Fastest architecture quality. And here's the biggest uh, fireplace. There's Bruce Wayne by his fireplace. It was you can really big. see it when he's standing in front of it, too. Yeah. yeah. You know, actually, that first fireplace I might have showed you, I was standing in front of, might have been the Cobblepot fireplace. Now that I saw that one. And here's Selena about to lick his nose. <laughs> yeah. Lick his nose or something, as I recall. Yeah. They're fighting on the roof. Licks him up his mouth. Yeah. Yeah. And here's uh, here's one of the still shots of her. I funny. I worked with her on one of her first films as a star. I worked on Grease Two. Oh, I forgot she was in Grease oh, nice. Two. Yeah, that was her first big movie. She'd sung and danced. She was amazing. Mm -hmm. Okay, and here's uh, at the end, we had the the lair, you know, the, the penguin lair, and we had all these big generators and stuff that explode and whatever. Everything was like 
old and decrepit abandoned uh, mechanical systems in the uh, penguin's lair. Awesome. Here's some more of that. It's just kind of a weird shot. It's between something. I, I don't know what, what it is. The oh, studio the gave me the wall. That's cool. It was, no, it was huge. It was a whole stage. Here's more of the, the Shrek. Um, mm -hmm. uh, we saw those before. Here's a better angle of the Shrek. You can see the, the big cat face yeah. carpet symbol. Oh, that's carpet. That's awesome. Yeah. And then uh, here's the dance floor for the big. This is you know, on my screen. This is backwards. This this would have been on this side, but um, this before it gets blown up. Yeah. And here you'll see it. This is when it starts to get blown up. You can see stuff starting to blow up through the floor. Oh, yeah. And that's Bruce and Selena in the foreground. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the wow. here's the shot. Here, I'll give the shot of them dancing. That's him right before it comes through, right where they're standing. That was Jeez. plexiglass and whatever. And he comes through that in the center of the floor. And here's actually as it happens. And that handrail cost us That's a cool. fortune. It was one of the most expensive single things, this handrail in this set. We, we wanted to make it look like metal, but it was uh, all wood. And it took a long time. Oh, and it wow. was hard. But uh, mm -hmm. then, and then he comes up through the floor in, riding the duck. Mm -hmm. And then here is his RV. Oh. He drove around town. You know, this was his campaign, mobile campaign headquarters. For what it's worth. Yeah, I haven't seen that and this, part. And this was his campaign headquarters. The downstairs. <laughs> the, we wanted to make it generic and everything the same color. There's no style involved. Perfect. <laughs> it definitely comes through. Every every desk yeah. looks exactly the same. I'm gonna show, should I turn my phone off. You think? Do we need my well, uh, yeah, well, we don't need the phone right now, but I don't, no, I don't have it displayed right no, now. I'm leaving, I gotta show you some stuff on the floor later, so okay. But so, that this is the downstairs. We had regular people in here, and it was supposed to be sort of like a regular campaign headquarters, but up above was his what we called the the the, the penguin uh headquarters, yeah. So that was his desk and his office, and this is where you know he, he kept this girl hostage, you'll see in a minute, or kidnapped. Oh, that's the same set. Yeah, same set. And here's one more. This is where he slept. All the same set up above. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, so Penguin's office is the same set as when the Ice Princess is being held hostage. Yes. But you know, downstairs is the campaign headquarters. Up a set of stairs is his office. Gotcha. And here's the, here's more okay. of the Penguin lair. And we had we had big murals on the wall of mm -hmm. polar bears and Z seals and all that kind of stuff. And we built outside this doorway by my fingers here. There was a whole ramp and big outdoor tanks where we kept the penguins. And then we would open the doors up and they would all come be swimming in. Oh, you can I can see, see this. Yeah. Here's the crew in there. And, and again, it was like a big interior auditorium where they do like, like killer whales jumping in the air or what, you know, all that kind of stuff that they do like at SeaWorld. And it's whatever. definitely got that vibe. Yeah. And then here's Danny. <laughs> ready to feed the, nice. the penguins and My again babies. yeah the ones i yeah the ones i used to have i, I mean the one i had of the tech penguin was one of these guys but the, the the big ones are the emperors and the king penguins and especially especially if you remember the ones that pulled them out of the water here and whatever those mm -hmm. were little people in emperor penguin suits gotcha here's some more of the of those guys i figured they had to be in order to be pallbearers for that oh, scene. Yeah. 
can't really have <laughs> the real penguins yeah, do that. Nowadays, you've probably done it CG, but yeah. And this is you can show you the scale of the. Uh, uh, it was huge. The set was huge, and this is you. He falls through here, you know, mm -hmm. at, from from above. It was it was a huge set, and here's a better shot. Uh, those other ones I had were so dark. Uh, here's a shot of them. Uh, uh. Some of the some of the people by the by the big transformers and electrical stuff. Mm -hmm. I think that's supposed to be a big refrigeration unit to keep it cool. And to the, right next to it is the big transformer with high voltage. And here's uh, there's Mr. Shrek, oh, the new yeah. crew, getting ready for a shot. That's Tim over here, up there. I see. This is him in the water. Yes. Yeah. Now it's cold water because we had to keep the water cold in there for the penguins. Usually for actors, you always heat the water. Oh, yeah. I didn't thought about that. And here's some more shots of the, of the it just it was it was a really big set. It really was. It's it's hard to really do it in single frames how big the set really was. And there's a little bit better idea with the penguins and the ramp and all that. And then here is the damaged duck right outside where it falls through the into the into the, the penguins uh, lair. And here's Danny and the Batman fighting. Oh, <laughs> I've never seen this shot. Yeah, this is awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. And then yeah. here's the here's here's something now you'll know what the Hall of Records was about. <laughs> yeah, now we can see. So that's the that's the shot in the movie. Yeah, that's the shot, and you can see the the heads in there. And you can you read Hall of Record? Okay, because on my screen it's reversed. Yeah, we can read it fine. Yeah, great, perfect, perfect. And I just want to show everybody the snow that we did. We did so much snow. We had a company called Agreco that did all of our uh, refrigeration. We had several hundred tons of air conditioning on every on these two or three stages. And we got them cold in a little bit of breath, but for the most part, it was hard to keep the stages cool. And here is, I just wanted to show the scope of the cars on the back lot. And oh, you wow. see they're all that same Volkswagen. Mm -hmm. We took out the, uh, the VW thing in the middle and just put a light in there. So there's three lights in the front instead of the little VW in the circle. Oh, I hadn't noticed that. Yeah, there's three lights in the front. And here's, here's, uh, I think is that Tim or Cobb? That's Tim. That's Tim in the cemetery when Cobblepot eventually goes here to the cemetery. But I just want to show you a, a set still of the, of the uh, cemetery. That looks great. And then if you got, if my phone still works. Yep. Hold on. Let me switch the mode when you're ready. I'm ready. Okay. And switching over. So, okay, I'll show you a couple more things really quickly. Here was the set sketch. Is it coming in okay? Yep. For the that's the cemetery okay. set sketch with Marty Klein that you just saw the picture of. With uh, uh, there's that building you were talking about in the background. It looks like the one that yeah, kind of looks yeah, like exactly, the, exactly. Chicago. The Flatiron Building, exactly. Mm -hmm. Good eye. Good eye. And, so this before, now two, and these are both sketches of sort of the how we got to the um, uh, Wayne Manor look. Both, uh, let's see, let's see, yeah, both several sketches of different types of mansions, and we ended up with the one you saw. This is what we ended up with, as you can see. Yeah. And then this is the the set sketch or the concept sketch. 
for the uh, living area with this where he has a little thing on the couch with the Catwoman or with mm -hmm. Selena. And you see, we really wanted a really big, big fireplace. Second. And here's a here's a keyframe from the movie. Oh. That, uh, yeah, the the gear guys. Yeah, this is one. I have one of these on my wall. And there's the uh, concept sketch for the uh, uh, Cobblepot Mansion. I think you saw a smaller version of that before. Mm -hmm. And then here is the rough. This is the rough poster that I had to approve from the printer before we went into full size production and put all put all the graphics on. I just wanted to get the colors right before we spent the money to have it printed. I love seeing this because I've never seen this without the the Oswald Cobblepot from Mayer yeah. on the bottom. Right. Oh yeah. I have a bunch of yeah. those with the Oswald Cobblepot. They're in a tube somewhere, but. Uh, uh, yeah, this is this, and it was this was a struggle getting this done because before computers, it was so hard to do any of this stuff. Now I got to connect <laughs> yeah. this about an hour or two with Photoshop, you know. And did you so, create the fonts for this film? Pardon me. You created the fonts as well for the film. I, I, I don't know if I created. It. I we we made a whole bunch of them up, and they and they selected one. I, okay, I don't know. gotcha. I, I don't. I can't say I created it, but here I did create okay. Gogo, which is. The thing that they would show, you know, on the wall and whatever. Mm -hmm. this, and actually, you can see, I had to like cut it out and lay it in black paper on white circle. This is this is glued down. This isn't printed. Oh, wow. And so you'd have to you'd have to cut it. If you look really close, you can see it. It's cut with a knife and stuff. Wow. And and, and then these are the instructions. I want the size I wanted and and whatever. And then I would send this out and have it made in the prop shop. Or I'm at twenty on acetate. I guess I asked for them, make. Make forty film positive, then we we went down to twenty acetates. What what I love about the bat signal in these movies is just how clear it is, which is how it is in the comics. I know realistically, when right. the bat signal, like we see in the newer movies, it would look a little more fuzzy because that's what it would look yeah. like. But I just I love how it just looks exactly like the bat signal in the comics right. in these movies. Should I turn yeah. my phone off? Or? Uh, if if you're done showing us the stuff that's, uh, uh, I, I think that the only the only thing I would show you with the last things, and if you guys are really into minutia and whatever, which you guys seem to know all about it, I'll show you <laughs> go ahead. Okay, it's this camera. This was the uh, Batman Rat Party um, oh. uh, invitation. Wow, I would keep that just for the bat part alone. Yeah, isn't it cool? See, that was at the Mayan in Los Angeles. Uh, yeah. And then this was the uh, invitation of the cast and crew screening. Awesome. Mainstream. I'm so jealous of this time because I, I work in movies too, uh -huh. like now, but there's no, no cast and crew screenings. There's no rap oh, yeah. parties. There's not, no crew jackets. We don't get yeah. any of this stuff. None of that. So I, I totally agree with you. In the last maybe... I used to have to do my own. The last movies I was doing, I would have hats made and give them out. Or I'd okay, have t-shirts nice. made. And give them out. On Patriot's mm -hmm. Day, I made these uh, black long sleeve t-shirts with Patriot's Day down the arm in Boston, you know, on here. And I would give them to my yeah. crew because the studio wouldn't do it anymore. They got, they won't do anything anymore. You know, everything's about a dollar. And uh, yeah, these, yeah, yeah. Stuff, I mean, I have even more stuff. I, I have a coffee mug. What do I do here? They gave us these coffee mugs, you know, oh, you know, and, and that. that's nice. Oh, 
That, so that's the that's, that's nice. the one. Jeez. Yeah. I mean, they're but that was back in the days when they did that stuff. They just don't do that stuff anymore. Yeah, you should see. I have a yeah. closet, a big closet full of nothing but crew jackets. I mean, I go that's back to awesome. Blade Runner. I have two Blade Runner jackets. I don't wear them; they're too small for me now. This remember those? You probably don't remember, but back in the seventies, the crew jackets were satin. Nice, it, it, really, really fun, funny stuff. And now, one thing I would like to show you because I like to brag about it. It's, it's <laughs> one of my. This is a drawing I did. My first freelance job in the business was was Blade Runner, and I designed a lot of the vehicles. Oh. And this is oh, Hold this on, is Deckard's this. car. Oh, this is Deckard's car. Yeah, Deckard's car. This oh, is awesome. And this is the drawing I did of Deckard's car. And this is, you know, it just and this is just one, one the first page. I mean, there was many pages, but that was my first uh, freelance job. And this is a cool. I never got to draw a car before. And so uh, they definitely need to call you if they ever make that Batman Beyond movie. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I was hoping. They, yeah, there's some other movie that I wish they would have called me on, but you know, they they never call until you find out that they're making it, and uh, it's too late. But like they did a movie right. called The Informant. I don't know if you ever heard about that one. Uh, is that the Matt Damon one? I've heard of it. Yes. Well, that was my dad's company. And I knew all those people. Oh, my wow. dad was a vice president of that company. And oh, uh, wow. I knew all the characters that they portrayed in that movie. And I, I would have okay. killed on that movie if they were living on that. <laughs> I'm sure. The other, was, <laughs> the other one was Gross Point Blank. Did you ever see that movie? I've, I've, I've seen that a few times, yeah. Yes, I, I have. Yes. I went to Gross Point High. and. and hey. I could have kicked ass on that movie if they would have told me that they were doing it. You were the real they shot, that whole movie in, they shot that whole movie in Seattle, except for the opening scene and the final scene. Wow. Jeez. So uh, I think that's pretty much it. Um, well, we really I, I appreciate kind of an this. Over, I do appreciate it. I've just my first and last question, if you don't mind. Sure. sure. Um, you being an art director working with Tim Burton, does does it feel like he speaks your language? Because he feels like he's an art director that became a director. Don't you feel that way? Yeah. Um, basically, he he was an animator that became. Right? He started out making signs for Burbank um, trash trucks. That was his first job. He designed okay. like Burbank trash or whatever it was. His father worked for the city of Burbank, and Tim got right. a job as a animator at Disney, and Rick Heinrichs was his producer and they did uh was it uh frankenweenie and uh vincent yeah. and uh and then he did yeah. his uh one with paul rubens uh, uh something and then he called us and then we did batman returns with him we did beetlejuice edward scissorhands i designed ed wood uh and like you said to your thing is that Tim has a certain style, and after a couple of movies, you grab it. And that's what was so easy for me to work with him because I know what he likes now. And he, we say, we, you get kind of get to know him. Tim is a graphic guy. He doesn't like all kinds of texture and filling a set. He likes to walk in and have a couch, something stupid on the wall, and a lamp. I mean, he likes basic. <laughs> it, it's a certain style. If you look at Edward Scissorhand, that's the best grab of his look. And that and, and some of the stuff in Ed Wood, it just – there's a certain stuff that at least I, in those days, Tim may have changed. I haven't seen Tim for several years, mm, Okay, uh, but uh, he lives in London now. 
and uh yeah it just feels uh, like you i'm sure you don't have to name any name but i'm sure with directors that don't know how to communicate to you as an art director oh yeah most of them seems like tim burton (laughs) tim burton seems like he's the kind of type that's really keyed into your language probably right and he gives you a little scribble drawings i tell you the best at that was ridley scott he would give us something called Ridley Grams. I can see where that. He would these little things, and he was amazing. <laughs> that pen would never lift, and he'd give it to him and be, "Whoa, that's amazing!" I, I would say those that's are the cool. two, and and the two most graphic directors I ever worked with. Um, Gore Verbinski is the most technical director I've ever worked with. He knew camera lenses, formats, you know, angles, and reflect. He was really good at that. Um, some of the other directors I worked with are, I don't even know how they got to be directors. But, uh, <laughs> you said Ridley Scott was a good, good at, uh, technical stuff. Oh yeah. yeah oh yeah. Ridley. Yeah. He's, mm-hmm. he's, yeah. he's like, I'd imagine he's so. Way up there. He's, he's in a hall of fame. And, uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. yeah. I've heard James Cameron is similar with that, with the technical side. Yeah, well, he, well, James Cameron obviously. used to be an art director. So, okay. Right. Yeah. Okay. There we go. Sense. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I know Ben Proctor is one of the production designers on the, the Avatar that just came out. He worked okay. the next week. I think they come up on their tenth anniversary. He worked on it almost ten years. Oh wow! <laughs> one movie, one yeah, movie. That's, that is wild. That's, well, that's, a, that's believable for those movies. Yeah. Right, right. I mean, yeah. I just, I, I just watched an interview with him, and, and he showed, and this, his movie gives me a headache. I mean, all this stuff. But they had two directors, the two designers. They had one. <laughs> That did uh, Ben Proctor did just the Earth stuff and the gadgets and gizmos and vehicles and stuff, and the other guy did the stuff on what's it called Pandora, and, mm-hmm. and most of his stuff uh-huh. was CG. It's almost all CG his stuff, and they had to combine the two. Okay, it was it was pretty good. My 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 still my favorite one this year for uh, production design is uh, just on what they had to do is All Quiet on the Western Front. It's, okay, cool. I just watched an interview of them. It was amazing how big the set was. Huge, huge area that they built. It was crazy. I mean, they're all great. All five of the movies that they're nominated this year are great. Right? But I'm, I'm, I don't know. It's hard to tell them apart. They're all great. Mm. Uh, uh, I did I have one I, last. I did have one yeah, last question for you, Tom. Sure. Um, is that as somebody who's helped bring Gotham City to life on film before, uh, has there been other versions of Gotham that have stood out to you, either? beforehand or since then yes um the one they did in chicago i really liked i don't remember the Dark. name of it and it was because they used the under whacker i don't know if you've ever been to chicago but there's lower whacker and there's upper whacker and uh, lower think... whacker is that underground street that looks really cool and they made good use of it in that movie yeah, but i, I will say that i gotta say this year's the batman i watched it and i just shook my head the whole time going Oh my God, we could have never have done what they did in that movie. <laughs> oh my God, the computer—they did this, the this, the cityscapes and the sets, and I was like, "Holy crap!" We could, we, we, whatever we had to do, we basically had to do in camera, you know. But right. yeah. the, the technology now is so amazing. Then when they just did, it was just like, I, I just, oh my God, that was amazing looking, and it didn't even get nominated. You know, it's just, yeah. it's, <laughs> that's I, I just, right. I was just amazed how good it was. I mean. The movie was kind of slow at the end, although James Pattinson or Robert Pattinson was, he was kind of believable as Batman. You know, he, he felt a little bit more on edge than some of the other Batmans. I mean, like, 
I can't say I won't go into specifics, but some of the other Batman <laughs> things are good. And and Joel, I know Joel Schumacher. Yeah, he did the one. Uh, was it George Clooney or which George one did Clooney, he do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that one. You know, <laughs> I don't know. It's not that hard of a take for you to say that about that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. It, you know, but I love Joel. I did um, uh, Lost, Lost Boys. Boys with him, and he's he was really oh, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, but that Batman, you know, we're all Bo and Tim are. I don't just told us. Flattery told us that uh, Schumacher came to him about Batman Forever and said, this is on the air, so it's okay. It's already been on the mm-hmm. internet for a while. He said mm-hmm. that Schumacher told him, we got kind of lucky with Batman Forever. Like He seemed like Schumacher was not expecting it to be any kind of hit at all. Oh, and really? Then, yeah. And then uh, they, they said that they want us to make another one. And so that you know led into Batman and Robin. But and Flattery was I like, just, no. <laughs> <laughs> and then Flattery left, but but yeah, I just thought it was funny how Schumacher really, seemingly anyway, didn't didn't feel was wasn't sure so it was going to be it or not. Well, okay, yeah, yeah I mean, it it got a little bit more towards the TV kind of Batman mm-hmm. than the darker Batman. Everyone complained our movie yeah. was too dark, but to me, it's it's that one and the one I just saw this year are the are, I think two of the best ones. I don't know if you've seen this year's, but oh, it's yeah. pretty good yeah it's, it just oh, yeah. it just the movie itself is just slow at the end and it's kind of a weird way it works out at the end but kind of just it looked amazing i thought That's well awesome. i mean like you said uh there's certain things that they did that you wouldn't have been able to do but i'd also argue there's a bunch of things that uh you guys did that they wouldn't have been able to do now just because they they're just not used to it with all the computers and stuff like the fact that you've had to do so much of the stuff on set with you know, just fixing the color of the way the water looked in the creek and oh, yeah. the, the cars and the snow and the refrigeration for the breath, even though I know that only lasted like an hour or so on, on the set. Like all that type of stuff is is why we appreciate these movies and, and why like it's 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 something that's very special for a lot of the, the yeah. Batman fans I, on the show. I was driving home one night. I'd been up 36 hours straight and I was driving home. Thinking, oh, God, I'm going to finally go to bed. I get a call from Tim. You got to come back. There was a scene where they walk out on these planks out into the water. And mm-hmm. I had to come up really quick. I had no time or money or anything. And I had to come up with four by four posts. And, and I made this kind of little walkway dock. And I, and I used spray paint and sprayed stripes on it and dots on it to give it sort of a look. And it was all done like in a half hour, an hour. You know, it was crazy. That was the weirdest thing on the set was to come back at like, I don't know, I've been <laughs> up, and then just make something out of nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. Yeah, I'd have to go looking where that scene is. But you ever see a scene where, and I don't even remember who it is, is walking out on planks. And it's kind of zigzaggy, and there's four by four posts holding it up, and they're all painted strangely. And that was something I just did with spray cans because there was no but nothing else I could have. Everyone went home, all the painters and carpenters, and everybody went home. Okay, I'm yeah. trying to remember that type of scene. But if anybody who's watching or listening to this remembers what that specific thing is, comment below for us, and we'll. Yeah. We'll uh, we'll we'll find out from there. Yeah. But uh, awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Tom, yeah, for sure. coming on and sure. and yes, showing so much stuff that we we've never seen before. It's it's not you know this is before there was digital, so a lot of it purely exists in your you know collection as far as we know. Yeah, yeah. I wish it was a newer movie. I have everything on disc now. I save all the images on disc. I could send it all to you in two seconds. You know. <laughs> yeah. So well, hopefully next time. <laughs>
Yeah, way before that. I, me- I remember we were thrilled we could get color Xeroxes. Oh my God, color Xeroxes. <laughs> we're, like, we're like two bucks a piece, you know? And you're all right, you know? <laughs> oh man. But all yeah, right. No, it- Thank you. Thank you very much sure. for coming on. Thank you. Yeah, give me a favor. Let me know when it comes out. I'd love to see it. We'll do. All right. And with that, Thanks, that man. is superhero stuff you should know. All right. So uh, as usual, big thanks to Dan. Dan uh, provided us with the fan comments for this week, uh, since most Ooh. of the visuals were from Tom himself on this. So Slight Rebellion off Madison commented on our Mario Puzo Superman 2 episode saying, I just realized Puzo recycled the killing the Pope angle for Godfather Part 3. He clearly was adamant about seeing that idea on the big screen. This is a great <laughs> observation. I completely forgot about that when we were going in Superman 2. I've never seen Godfather 3, dude. Everybody always like shits on it. And like, I just seen one and two. Maybe I'll, I should do like a, a, a trilogy screening again because I need to bone up on one and two again, honestly. But so anyway, I've heard the director's cut is good. Uh, I've heard that Coda. as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The death of Michael Colleone. So, uh, but yeah, thank you. Slight Rebellion. I, I, I forgot about that aspect. So thank you for bringing that up. Thank you. Uh, let's see. We had a couple comments on our analysis on the Flash uh, trailer with, uh, I'm going to put two of them together here because it's sort of the same sentiment. So E2A says, is it confirmed that Keaton's Batman is exactly from Burton's Gotham? Hopefully they won't make him too goofy. He was never goofy in Burton's movies. And then the art hound says a similar comment saying, I don't actually think that this is Burton verse. I will bet that Keaton is another multiverse Batman. These are interesting theories uh, on Okay, so my honest prediction on this is that it will never really be completely set in stone. I think it's going to be one of those things where, like, it could be his potential future in the Burton verse, but if somebody doesn't like the Flash or something and, and wants to discount it, then they could always say it was a universe created due to whatever the fuck that Barry does in the movie that creates that timeline. But I don't think they're going to have a clear like this is this Earth and this is that Earth. Like, I don't, I don't think. I think they're just going to leave it open for the sake of fans filling in the blank on that. That's what I, I personally think. I like these comments a lot, guys, and I'm not just saying that. I was thinking the same thing. Like, when you have this multiverse shit, you can have your cake and eat it too. Like, this, there could be, if there's an infinite amount of universes, if that's that's our concept we're going with, right, in comic books and in movies. Mm-hmm. So, there's an infinite amount of Burton verses, guys. There's not just <laughs> right. one. Yeah, for sure. There's, there's a, an absolute shitload of just that thing. So, it again, it it's it, like you said, Ben. I think it could be. It's probably going to be ambiguous, and that's probably for the best. Because I mean, yeah. how much does it really matter if it's that exact Tim Burton verse from the from the '80s or whatever? And what if it's one that's almost exactly like it, but not it? And there's there's no there's no real point in distinguishing between those in the film really there's really no point so you could even argue that returns could take place on a different burton verse than 89 just from how different you know like certain parts of it look i mean we just had a whole episode on how the art direction was completely different on this gotham city compared compared to the first one so an argument could be made that they're also in two different continuities if need be it's basically yes it's very well could be because again if we're doing this whole multiverse idea then it's not just one single universe is infinite. 
every universe is also infinite <laughs> or like infinite, right. infinite versions of that. Mm-hmm. Right. Like the, you, yeah. God, it's like when you think about this space shit, it really like can blow your mind. But yeah, I, I, I totally, I, I would, I kind of think along these lines as well as these mm-hmm. commenters here. Yeah. Yeah. Especially this day and age with like, con- we're so continuity driven. We're so on like, is this canon? Is this not? Is this a continuation of that? That like back in the nineties, we wouldn't have cared. We would have just been like, oh, Keaton's back. But now like, it, I, I think that if there's anything that feels off to people on this version of the Keaton Batman, there's, there's going to be that out in the movie where just like, oh, look, maybe this is just a variant of Keaton in the Burton verse. And you can just believe it's separate from what happened in Batman Returns and Batman 89. So, I, I mean, that's... just remember, everybody, it's all about it's going to be about the emotions and what the characters are mm-hmm. going through mainly. Right. <laughs> I mean, and then some some of the yeah. spectacle. But like if you don't get caught, you know, don't get caught up in the weeds too much and who pumps a Batmobile's tires. That's that's how yeah. I think. Anyway, I agree. <clears throat> uh, last one is from uh, maybe you can help me with the pronunciation. Is it Yao? Jao? Um, I'm going to take a stab and this is maybe you're you are maybe Portuguese or Brazilian uh, but I I do not know but I yeah Joao there's a lot of owl now owl sounds in Portuguese so (laughs) so uh, let us know how badly we pronounce this (laughs) Joao Yeah, so Joe Al says, can you do John August Shazam 2008 script? Uh, we would love to. If anybody can send us a copy, send it to superhousepodcast at gmail.com. It might have been online at some point, but I can't find it anymore. I can only find one from William Goldman, which we will cover when Shazam Fury of the Gods shows up. So that's going to be pretty soon uh, in March. But I'd love to cover the John August one as well, because I believe that would have been the Shazam movie where it would have been Shazam slash Captain Marvel versus Black Adam with Black Adam actually being, being the villain. That is, I think, the script that got Dwayne Johnson originally on board to be that Black script Adam. Doesn't ex- that script doesn't exist anymore because Jane St- Rock took the shit on it. <laughs> <laughs> he wiped his ass with that script. <laughs> the only copy of it. So let us know if uh, you have that and, and uh, send that on over. We have some very well-connected sources, as you guys can tell from some of our exclusives. So somebody, one of you guys is bound to have it. And uh, I'm sure after I say that, there's going to be, you know, next week our inbox is just going to be full of different copies of the same script on this. But uh, send that on over, (laughs) superhousepodcast at gmail.com. All right, over to the shout-outs. Oh, man, thanks, everybody. You know what I'm saying? We want to thank some of our more recent people, such as uh, Kevin R., Derek O., Renee V., Braxton W., and Sean F. Thanks, everybody, and our other supporters as well as always. And we've told you about our friends just now, and now we'd like you to do us a favor. We want you to tell all your friends about us. Don't eat the fake snow on set. <laughs> <laughs>